the Philippines. A nation of more than 7,000 islands. In the Pacific Ocean, north of Indonesia. Mega diverse. Home to the most expensive seashell in the world. The largest pearl. And the longest snake. More coconuts come from here than anywhere else in the world. More than 120 languages are spoken, including the official ones, English and Filipino. So, sa tingin mo, gaano kadami ng... Pag sa school, di ba, usually sinasabi nila, dapat English-speaking kapag elementary. A history that ties closely to Spain and then the United States. Independent since 1944. Known for colorful buses called jeepneys. Delicious cuisine like adobo. And lots of karaoke. A beautiful social culture that values family and friends. Manila is the capital and it's where you'll find the highest population density on the planet. It's also where you'll find more than 50,000 children living on the streets. Working, scrounging, sleeping, doing their best to survive against hunger, neglect, and other things. The real price is for 500, two hours. Then, then if ever you go upstairs, I give you 400, two hours. This is why the work being done by Child Hope Philippines is so important as they protect and care for those left to fend for themselves, serving them with love and respect and dignity, providing them food, education, health care, and opportunity. Join me now as we welcome Chips Guevara, chairman at Child Hope Philippines Foundation, for an inspiring look at all they're doing to break through the despair with hope. where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Today, I'd like to take us to the Philippines. Today, we're going to discover an organization called 
Child Hope Philippines Foundation. And the person we're going to meet today is Chips Guevara, who is chairman of the foundation, and he's also my guest today right here on the Edge of Adventure. Chips, first of all, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having us, and it's a privilege to be featured by Edge of Adventure. Thank you for taking the time. Well, let's get started, Chips. What is the heart and soul of what you and your wonderful team do? Child Hope Philippines, we care for street children in a very holistic way. It started out as a program for child protection, and we were protecting or developing programs that protect children, the most vulnerable children, and um, it kind of zeroed in on on street children because uh, they're really one of the most vulnerable children in the country. And uh, from there, it developed our founder, uh, Tess Silva, who's a professional social worker, uh, really dedicated her whole life to helping uh, the marginalized. And then when she founded Childhood, she just zeroed in on, on street children. And um, we have several programs. We have a, a feeding program. We have an education program, the street education program. And then we have a health program. So we have a full-time doctor uh, that goes around and cares for street children and, and sometimes they're members of their family. Yeah, so that's the heart of childhood, taking care of the street children of Metro Manila. Well, we are talking today with Chips Guevara. He is the chairman at Child Hope Philippines Foundation. Chips, you've used the term street kids. What does that mean? Street kids are children that, that are based on the street. They either belong to street-based families, so they're homeless. They don't have a real home to go to, so they live on the sidewalk or in makeshift carton boxes. Or they belong to urban poor families. They're made to work on the streets, selling street food or flowers, and they, they earn their living on the street. Are they on their own? I mean, I know you, at times they're with a family who is living on the street. Are these kids sometimes left to fend for themselves? Yes, yes. A number of them are left to fend for themselves, away from their families. This is the Edge of Adventure. We're talking Child Hope Philippines Foundation. And my guest today is Chips Guevara. He is the chairman. And you mentioned a few different types of ways that you help to care for these children and their families. I think it's probably okay to use the term holistic here. You're targeting a variety of different types of needs. Give us an idea of the holistic approach that you guys take and the different needs that you seek to meet in this wonderful care for the street children. Looks like what? Our first primary purpose really is for child protection. And the street children, a certain percentage of them, I believe it's 5 to 10%, somewhere within that range, they, they um, experience some sort of abuse whether it's a physical abuse or, or sexual abuse, it could happen at home with their families. It could happen through uh, child prostitution. So we are the frontliners, uh, first responders to this situation. So we meet children, uh, the street children, where they're most comfortable in their own territory, which is on the street. And uh, through our programs, when they start participating in their programs, they oftentimes feel comfortable enough to share their experiences with our social workers. And once we uh, find out there is some sort of abuse happening, we refer them to centers 
who can provide special care. So, for example, one of our sister organizations, Tahanan Santa Lucia, was also founded by our founder, Teresita Silva. She put up this foundation to care for abused girls who require special care. So Child Hope engages them firsthand, first and foremost, and then we, once we discover there's some sort of abuse going on, we refer them to different centers like uh, Tahanan Santa Lucia. Most of them are just very vulnerable. They're out on the street. Many of them don't have parental care. And that's where our social workers come in. And the objective really is to try to, to get them to go to school. You know, when I first uh, uh, started volunteering for Child Hope, I, I really had no idea about street kids. And, you know, in my mind, it, it, you know, you just kind of raise money for scholarships and they go to school. But it doesn't happen that way. Many of them require a lot of development before and care before they actually want to go to school or feel like they deserve to go to school. So there, there's a lot of um, psychosocial intervention. When I first met the street kids, uh, I, I volunteered as a math shooter. Uh, that's how I got involved with the child vote. And um, when I first met them, I, I realized that their self-image was very, very poor. Many of them felt that they were too dumb to go to school because they were street kids. So really, there's a lot of uh, confidence building that needs to happen. And, and then they can't go to school if they're hungry. So we, we do have a feeding program and uh, that happens during our uh, street sessions. And then they cannot go to school also if they're in poor health. So we have a full-time medical doctor and a mobile clinic that goes around and cares for and treats the street children of their illnesses. So really, we, we have all these. And then on, on top of that, so once, once they finish high school, uh, we also help them become employable. Uh, so we assist them in, in terms of uh, enrolling in a vocational school. So hotel and restaurant services is one of the paths they take so that they can uh, be employed by restaurants and hotels. And those who get the, um, the privilege of get, being considered for a scholarship, uh, we also support them. Uh, so we partner with other organizations who provide college scholarships. And we've had uh, a number of success stories. I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, uh, some of my pupils have graduated college. Our biggest success story is uh, Dan De Happin, who is now uh, in Germany. He was able to get a scholarship at the uh, Robert Bosch University in Germany, and he ended up taking social work as a course. And he's very happy. I see him on Facebook now. He's happily married to this, this beautiful German girl, and they have a child <laughs> together. And it's uh, just, it delights me uh, seeing him in that way. <laughs> so there's a variety of different ways this holistic approach includes protection, education, feeding, healthcare, and also the imparting of skills and helping them to prepare for their lives, right? And to be able to make a living and these sorts of things. And you think about these wonderful, beautiful kids who are in some form or another forced to live on the street. And I want to go back to that concept. And you painted a picture. It's not a pretty picture. There's sadness there when you think about what their lives are like, how big of a problem is this? Is it common? Yeah, it, uh, the street children problem is 
a cycle that happens, uh, and it's uh, it's all over the country, and I'm sure it's not just uh, in the Philippines. I'm, I'm sure it's uh, quite prevalent in in many countries like the Philippines. It really starts with the uh, the urban poor, the values that they have. There's this thinking that um, you know when you have children, uh, they're seen as working hands. You know, and as soon as they can contribute to the income of the family, they're made to work. Sometimes education is not really in the horizon. And so our founder, uh, Teresita Silva, recognizes this cycle. So, you know, the, the, the urban poor with their values uh, are producing more and more street children. And that's why she also had a, we also have a partner organization, another sister uh, foundation called FSED. So it, they work with the urban poor families to, to try to correct or educate the parents and try to instill values that would prevent the uh, generation of more street children. This is The Edge of Adventure. We're talking today with Chips Guevara. He is chairman at Child Hope Philippines Foundation, joining us today from the Philippines. And we're getting to know the organization, learning a little bit about what they do. The thing about this podcast, this thing that I call The Edge of Adventure, is there's always this mix of two very distinct emotions, right? There's the sadness because we are talking about, in this case, and every time we're on one of these shows, we're always talking about great need, often great suffering. It's a fact and there's a sadness in that. And the hope though, the other distinct emotion that we have and hopefully get to share in these podcasts is the sense of hope, knowing that there are good people. I still believe in good there are these good people and these organizations doing good things, helping others and bringing a sense of hope to them. And that brings a sense of hope to all of us in this world that we live in, knowing that there is suffering, there is pain, but there's always also hope. And there's also joy. Do you see, as you all begin to work with these children and you reach them, in their weakness, in their vulnerability, and oftentimes in their suffering. And as you begin through the years to work with them, do you see hope restored or perhaps hope imparted to them for the first time? Absolutely. When I was volunteering as a math tutor, I guess maybe I was kind of shielded from most of the uh, the suffering that they go through. I mean, I, I had direct, of course, I was, I was teaching them. I had direct contact with them, but... Uh, I think it's really the social workers that bear the emotional burden of listening to their stories directly. Uh, so I did not have that kind of uh, detailed information about the kids I was tutoring. But sometimes I get a glimpse. For example, one of the students I had, he surprised me with, with poetry. It was about Greek mythology. And uh, this was even way before the, the Marvel movies were made. <laughs> Uh, he talked about two gods that were, that were at war with each other, Eros and Thanos. And so Eros was the god of love, and Thanos was the god of death. And how they battled each other, and um, in the end, Eros lost. I can't remember the exact words, but he, uh, the, he ended the poetry with a tree sprouting out and new leaves. So there was this, kind of like this resurrection story. And... Um, he was uh, pulled out of the street and put in a center. So I don't know the actual details of his story, but 
normally when they're pulled out and put in a center, they are suffering abuse. We still keep in touch through Facebook. He wanted to become an engineer, and uh, it was a big compliment to me because uh, I'm an engineer. So <laughs> when I was tutoring him, he, he had uh, you know he realized how smart he was. He was really by far the the smartest among my pupils. So his confidence was built up, uh, and he had this ambition to become an engineer. Unfortunately, he didn't pass the entrance exam to any of the engineering colleges. So he ended up taking a propeller fitting in this vocational school and ended up being marine mechanic. So he became a seaman. He's earning well now. He was able to buy a, his own house. Uh, he's married. I just remember uh, having this conversation with him with one of our sports events. By the way, we do have a sport event also once a year to help children become, you know, play and be children. So when I met him last time uh, physically, um, he... Um, yeah, he just told me about his career path he wants to take. He wanted to become a chief mechanic on a ship. And he told me the kind of salary that he'd be earning if he reached that level. And man, it's like way out of poverty. He's going to become one of the wealthy people of, of Manila if he achieves that dream. And and uh, yeah, just so happy for him that how his life is turning out. <laughs> You're listening to The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. And it's great to have you with us for my conversation today with Chips Guevara of Child Hope Philippines Foundation. And that conversation will continue in just a moment. But first, let me say that I'm very thankful for this opportunity to share these broadcasts with you, to get to know such great people like my guest today, to learn about different parts of the world, different cultures and traditions, the needs faced And of course, the ways that we can help, the ways we can help those who are serving in these locations. It truly is a privilege to be able to prepare these podcasts and to share them. And here is how you can help me. If you haven't already done so, I'd like to ask you a favor. Please take a minute and rate The Edge of Adventure in your podcast listening app. Spotify now allows us to do that. And services like Apple Podcasts will let you rate it, and then you can even leave a written review. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would do so. Believe it or not, that actually helps me get the podcast to more people. So thank you for taking the time to subscribe, rate, and review the Edge of Adventure podcast. Another great thing you can do to help me out would be to join us in the new Rugged Compass mobile app. It's the social network for the humanitarian heart. Look us up at ruggedcompass.com. That's ruggedcompass.com. We'll see you there. Now back to my conversation with Chips Guevara of Child Hope Philippines Foundation. He's joining us today from Manila, and we're learning about the inspiring work that they do serving the children who have been left to fend for themselves on the streets. Thank you so much. For joining us, for listening, and for being a part of this thing we call the Edge of Adventure. Chips Guevara is my guest today. He's chairman at Child Hope Philippines Foundation, and we're getting to know them. I also like to ask personal questions because I, I really do think there's value in getting to know the person. Okay, so now let me move now into meddling. You're a math tutor, 
one of the ways that you got started, one of the ways that you've enjoyed serving at Child Hope is as a math tutor. What do you like about math and how does that apply to these kids? How is it meaningful to them? I've always liked math. This is preconceived notion that math is difficult. And it's actually not. Once you understand the concepts, it just becomes so easy. Uh, there's just certain fundamentals that you need to, foundations that you need to build, and then, and then math becomes easy. And um, I've always found math to be easy. I had very good teachers. And those who didn't have good math teachers uh, have found math to be difficult. And um, when I was in college, uh, to earn extra money, I started tutoring uh, grade school kids math, those who were having difficulty. And I, I found out that um, I was quite good at it, at tutoring, uh, helping them understand. Uh, I guess I learned from my teachers. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when I was in high school, our school, uh, Ateneo de Manila, we, we have this motto called Man for Others. And I believe the school really embodied this motto. So every Friday in our senior year of high school, we were required to volunteer to uh, help out public school kids. Uh, so unlike in the U.S., the public school system is very good. Uh, here, uh, the, the quality of uh, education in the public school is it needs a lot of improvement. They don't have enough budget. The teachers are, are very, before, were very poorly paid. So you can imagine how, the kind of morale they have right, in, within the school. So we, um, we were asked to, to tutor. So at the first time, I, I started tutoring English. And I, I really enjoyed working with the public school kids. And ever since then, I mean, it left a mark on me. And then so when I went into college, I continued tutoring. I was being paid for it. Uh, I was earning extra money. Uh, and then I ended up uh, being an engineer and then joining the corporate world. Uh, I was working for Unilever. So it occupied all my time, really. I was so busy. I couldn't do any of the, the tutoring. But it, it was there in the back of my head, I, something I, I really enjoyed. In fact, it's, it's something I might do as a retirement. <laughs> a retirement profession is to teach. So when Akiko and I got married, uh, and we were newly married, the house that we stayed in was right across Child Hope. And uh, I heard about the organization uh, because they were our neighbor and I, I would see the street kids coming in and out. So I just knocked on their door and I said, hey, um, can I volunteer to teach math? Do you have a, a need for a math tutor? And they were like, wow, you know, we, we, we really do need one because uh, the kids that are enrolled in public school, they're flunking out because of math. And they really need help. So it's like, okay. So I started volunteering. And um, it was once a week, every Thursday for one hour a week. I did that for two years. And the objective really was for them not to flunk out of school. And they had this math stress. You know, every time I write numbers, they, I could see their faces like, you know, <laughs> stressing out the veins, you know, coming out of their foreheads and you know, so I, I realized the first thing I had to do was really to relax their minds because if they can't relax, they can't think. If they're too stressed, they cannot think. So that was the first thing I, I did. And and um, and to start building their confidence, to, to let them know that they are intelligent people, that they deserve and have the right to go to school. And I think once we got over that hurdle, uh, light bulbs started flashing, you know. <laughs> they started getting correct answers. The more correct answers they had, they, they started to build up. And 
and really this is really the the fulfilling part about teaching is when they when those light bulbs start flaring up and they're like ah i get it i get it you know i understand it now and as a teacher or tutor that is really fulfilling and the other part of it is the the confidence that's built up like over a span of two years i saw their faces you know from being um from feeling dumb from feeling stupid from feeling that they don't deserve anything and then after two years it's like you know i'm i'm smart i can do this i want to be an engineer i want to be an architect i want to be a teacher when i started with them the first thing i asked them was uh what do you want to be when you when you grow up and you know it's like oh i want to be an actress because i can't do math i want to be you know something because i can't do math and after two years now they wanted to be engineers they wanted to be architects i have one pupil that's now an accountant so that is so fulfilling for me as i listen to you share chips i think that you know part of what i take away from what you're saying and i see because i see it on your face and i hear it in your voice the skills and the talent that you have your ability your opportunity to share that with someone else and to invest in these kids who might not have such an opportunity if it weren't for you, if it weren't for Child Hope Philippines, right? I mean, this is an amazing opportunity. I think about how much you enriched their lives and that investment, what a wonderful thing it is. And yet there's something we can all take from that, Chips. We can all take some, we all have a skill. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Are, are we putting it to use for anything other than our paycheck? Are we letting it serve other people in some way? And that is what I hear. The story that you're sharing, that's what I hear. For you, for your own personal journey, your own personal life's adventure. And then, of course, it applies directly to Child Hope Philippines Foundation. And the next question and the thing that I want to ask you about ties directly into that, which is, Calle Escuela. It means street education. Actually, the direct translation. So Calle is a... The Philippines used to be a Spanish colony, so you'll see Spanish words there. Calle Escuela. So it means a street school. Through Calle Escuela, what are you guys doing? I'm looking at... I'm, I see a vehicle of some sort with what? What is, what is this vehicle providing? Where is it going and who is it serving? Okay, maybe I can talk about how uh, when I joined the board or when I started tutoring, uh, Cali Escuela was actually, it, it was literally a teacher and a social worker going on the street. So they was go, always go in pairs and engaging the street children there. And they would do their uh, teaching sessions in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant or in the parking lot of an abandoned building where the street kids hang out or in the sidewalk. And then as the years went by, we started to develop it further, adding more technology into it. So it evolved into what you see right now. So it's a, it's a mobile education van. We had a lot of uh, corporate sponsors that were able to help us develop this. Um, IT providers, banks that were able to uh, donate for us to be able to buy a vehicle and retrofit it um, with uh, tablets and there's Wi-Fi. That's how we're able to continue the mobile, the street education program uh, during this pandemic. 
you know, we need, we need to be able to do social distancing while doing our sessions. So during the, uh, these sessions, we talk about values. It's like basic parenting, uh, telling them what's right and what's wrong, what's correct behavior and what's wrong behavior. Because really, when, when you meet the street kids for the first time, before they go through our program, they're, they're quite rough around the edges. And uh, many people have unpleasant experiences with street kids. So it's you know just being respectful, instilling good values. And also, it's the first time they experience uh, basic numeracy and literacy. So it's the first time they get a taste of academic education, reading, writing, grammar, counting. And that's where we hook them to try to um, want to be in a formal education system. Really, th this is where we engage the street kids for the first time is, is through our street education program. So the incentive we have is a meal at the end of the session. So they have to attend. <laughs> they have to attend the whole session and they get a meal at the end. So this is their incentive to continue on. Uh, right now, during the pandemic, uh, you can see here that they're receiving packages. Uh, these are relief goods uh, because their ability to earn income was greatly curtailed during this pandemic. Uh, there were no people in the streets. The streets were empty. Uh, and that's where they found their livelihood, selling street food and flowers and begging. Now all of that income has stopped. So our uh, donors, our partner institutions have allowed us to kind of reallocate the funding towards uh, a relief effort. Chips Guevara is my guest today from Child Hope Philippines Foundation. You can look them up online at childhope.org.ph childhope.org.ph or as always you'll find the links in the post associated with this podcast online at theedgeofadventure.com Chips, what do you think in your estimation is the hardest part about what you guys do? For our social workers, our street educators, the street educators would be the social workers and the teachers that go out. It's a hard job. And uh, I think, you know, rewarding them or paying them aptly is quite a challenge. You know, they, these people, if they teach in a public school, if they work for the government or if they work for the Department of Social Welfare, they'll earn a lot more than what we can afford to pay them. But they have made the conscious decision to stay with Child Hope because they care about the street kids so much. And they see how the programs are, are working. They really have this dedication to help the street kids. But you can only be a martyr for so long. And uh, we've had some that have stayed 20 years with us. And uh, to be earning that kind of salary for 20 years, it's, um, it, it, for me, it, it breaks my heart. It, I, I wish we could pay more to just make it sustainable for themselves. You know, uh, they, they sacrifice so much of their lives and, our founder, Teresita Silva, when she started Child Hope, she was full-time executive director of Child Hope, but she never took a salary. I found that out when I joined the board that she never took a salary. So it was really just an outpouring of generosity of their time and effort and, and just love, complete love for the street kids. I, I wish we could pay more, <laughs> you know, just to just to make it sustainable for them. So raising funds is 
quite a challenge, especially during this time of pandemic. A lot of companies have held back in terms of their donations. It's shrunk. A lot of companies are suffering, so they don't have that spare cash. Uh, their CSR programs are in reallocations. On the board, it really are, are one of our main functions is to raise funds. If you keep approaching the same people, the same companies for donations, there's uh, what you call donor fatigue. Uh, there's like, oh, they're, they're back, you know. <laughs> We're back asking for money. And, and, and really, uh, it's our job to be the beggars, <laughs> right? We're asking for donations. There's still a lot of people that want to support, but uh, it's just the times are tough right now. And then making it sustainable because we pay a salary. We have to maintain this payroll all year round. And uh, donations are not continuous, you know, so we have to keep trying to find ways to sustain Child Hope's operations. And um, yeah, so everyone's making sacrifices. Our executive director, he's a medical doctor. He really could be earning a lot more outside, but he decides to remain in Child Hope. I, I wish we could find a way to make it more uh, rewarding for them uh, for the sacrifices they do because it's, it's really a lot of hard work. On behalf of Child Hope, I'll certainly say this, and I do quite often, if you feel like you've connected with Child Hope, if you have a heart for the Philippines, you have a heart for these street kids, I encourage you to reach out to them directly, childhope.org.ph, childhope.org.ph. Get to know them better, message them, tell them that you're, you, know, you heard about it here on the Edge of Adventure and you're moved by what they do in their heart. So please explore that option. If it's something that's tugging at your heart, that's kind of always my rule is if, if you feel like this is something you should get involved in and this might be the organization you need to get behind, then look into it further. Don't ignore that feeling. And, oh, I know what you're saying, Chips. I mean, it, it, when asking for funds, it, it can feel like you're begging. But you guys are, are doing wonderful remarkable things. You're making a difference in the lives of these kids. I hear the stories of like, I listen to you talk. I look at the pictures. I get to know what you do and, and the kids that you work with. And I think about how they come from a life where there is no hope. And then you come in and you bring hope and you bring some love and you give to them, you feed them, you help to take care of them. We also help to teach them and challenge them. It's not just a handout. You're also requiring from them to to learn and give and grow. And I think it's just a very, very powerful combination. And I want to congratulate you on that. I know that you too invest a lot of time in this and you could be doing other things. And that's true for your entire team. And I, I also hear your respect and your, your care and your love for the team who's out there on the streets taking care of these kids. And it's a very wonderful thing. So yes, final things as we wrap up here, other than financially, of course, we've covered that. But other than financially, is there anything else that the viewers and the listeners could do to help, to support, to encourage you guys? Maybe if you are touched or uh, are moved by what we do or inspired, uh, maybe talk about it, spread the word. I haven't been tutoring in a long time, but these are one of the things that people could volunteer for once before, uh, before the pandemic. Corporations have made it their CSR program before, and they, they got their employees involved, you know, because it is a very fulfilling experience for the staff of the companies to participate in our programs. Before we used to have, and hopefully we can restore this, like uh, 
every Saturday, uh, we have this big feeding program in a church. And um, the people who would sponsor the, the feeding uh, on that Saturday would organize activities, something simple like book reading. So the, the mother of a friend of ours, uh, she was a, an English teacher. So she sat down and, and read books to them. They all just sat around her on the floor and, and just listened to stories. And yeah, the, the, the street kids, they, uh, they need to be allowed to be children, uh, listen to stories, play games, do sports, be friends with each other, and have those opportunities to, to develop into uh, full human beings, uh, productive citizens of the country, contributing and having that, that uh, uh, self-image of that they are good people, they, they're intelligent, and are human beings that deserve the same respect as everybody else. Chip's final question for the broadcast today. Why does any of this matter? The world is busy. We've got stuff to do. We've got things to take care of. We've got responsibilities. We've got to make a living. Why does it matter to take the opportunity and serve? Why does it matter? The street kids are, are human beings. They're children. They deserve such. Street children are, are one of the most neglected sectors of society. I even have heard comments Oh, they're there again, you know, they're so bothersome. And they talk as if they don't really deserve to live. But they're human beings. They deserve a life. Of course they do, Chips. And it seems so obvious. And yet we do know that, unfortunately, not everybody looks at it that way. And I'm just thankful. I mean, that's, that's a heartbreaking story. It's a heartbreaking thing to think about. Like I said earlier, there's always this contrast between joy and pain between hope and despair. And in life, we oftentimes have to kind of hold both of those in tension. But there is hope and there is goodness and there is joy thanks to the type of people like you, Chips, and your team and the wonderful social workers and the doctors and all the many people on your team who are helping to go out and care for and intervene and feed and provide medical care for and ultimately teach these kids making a difference for their lives individually and also making a difference for your country. I know it isn't easy. I know it is challenging and at times heartbreaking. But if anything could come of today's conversation, my hope would be that you'd be encouraged because we see you, we see what you guys are doing and it matters and it's making a difference and it is a beautiful story in a day and age where there's a lot of ugliness and we need to talk about these beautiful stories. So thanks for what you're doing, Chips. I know it's a big part of who you are and what you love to do. And I'm just thankful for it. And I'm now glad to be able to consider you a friend. Thanks for your work. And thanks for taking the time to join me today for the broadcast. Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. To get back in touch with them, to look them up again, their name, Child Hope Philippines Foundation. Again, that's Child Hope Philippines Foundation. You can look them up at childhope.org.ph. That's childhope.org.ph. They're also on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. And you can also find the links to their organization, also the audio and the video version of this 
program online at theedgeofadventure.com. Click the link there where it says podcasts and get to know them a bit more. Thanks again, Chips. You're awesome. Please give my best to your team. And thank you again for taking the time to be with me today. God bless you. We'll be in touch soon. God bless you. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo.